This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Okay, The Blessed Life, part three. Uh, we're in part three of a series. Uh, for those of uh, you that have not been with us, or uh, you've been out of town, or maybe this is your first time with us uh, today, uh, by the way, you can listen to the messages online. Uh, you can download those there. Uh, you can catch up if you want to stay abreast of what's happening in the series that we're doing. Or if, if you're uh, you know, more of an old school soul and you want to pick up a hard copy of a CD, we'll, you can pick those up. And my mom just said amen to that. So um, you can pick that up in the back. And we, that you, there's no cost at that for you to do that. So any, any message, any series that we're doing, pick that up during, uh, during this week. Um, part one, just as a quick review, part one... Uh, we talked about the principle of firsts, uh, putting God first in, in every area of our lives, not just in our finances. Uh, then in part two, we looked at the principle of, does anybody remember? Multiplication. And the difference between tithing and giving. Uh, tithing, we believe, is simply returning what already belongs to God. Giving starts after that. And I just blew some of your minds that you weren't with us last week. So if you want to get more in-depth on that, you can uh, listen to that message. But giving actually begins after that, our offerings. And it's in our offerings that we begin to experience multiplication. Uh, so that's real quick review, part one, part two. Part three today, we're going to look at breaking the spirit of mammon. Now, some of you just... Uh, said break the spirit of what? What is that? And uh, I'm going to try to walk you through that. There is a spirit of mammon. Jesus talked about it. Uh, we're going to look at it in the text. And that spirit is always trying to control us, always trying to talk to us. And that spirit is the spirit that fights against giving and generosity. Okay? So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, or you can dial it up on new version or... Bible Gateway, whatever you use on your phone, it'll also be on the screens for you to read along with me. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 9. This is Jesus talking. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore... If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Here's the verse that we might be a little more familiar with. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. You know, that can be an encouraging phrase right there, or it can be a very scary phrase right there. God knows your heart. Uh, no matter what the external looks like, no matter the happy face that you can put on, God Knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Just a question there on that. What do we esteem highly in our world today? What, what would you say that you esteem highly in your life? Are they things that 
would be lovely in the, in the sight of God. The word mammon appears four times in scriptures. Three of those times are there in this passage here in Luke. The other time is in Luke, I mean in Matthew, from Matthew's perspective on this same story. He quotes God in this same story where it says, No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one loyal to the other. You can't serve God and mammon. So Matthew and Luke both capture this story. But three of the four times are mentioned here in this text that we just read. So what is mammon? Mammon is an Aramaic word which means riches or wealth. But it came, it was derived from a Syrian god. The Syrian god of riches was called Mammon. And the Syrian god of riches came from Babylon. Does anybody remember Babylon? Let me tell you something about Babylon. Uh, Babylon means sown in confusion. Uh, It came from, maybe you don't remember this, back in Genesis chapter 12, the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? They're building this tall tower. And the word Babel means confusion. God comes down, he confuses them, and the Tower of Babel came about because of pride and arrogance, thinking they didn't need God. And Babylon means sown or planted in confusion. So out of Babylon, a worldly system that we are warned about in in the book of Revelation, out of that system comes a god named Mammon. You following me? A false god. And a false god is a spirit. Mammon is the spirit that rests on money. All right? Listen carefully to me. Mammon is not money. It is a spirit that rests on money. It is a false god that tries us to get, get us to worship money and look to money to meet our needs rather than to look to God to meet our needs. Following me on that now? All money has a spirit on it. It either has God's spirit on it or it has the spirit of mammon. There's no such thing as a spiritless Money, all money, carries with it a spirit. If it's submitted to God, it has God's spirit on it. It's blessed, and that's why the enemy, the devourer, what Malachi chapter 3 calls the devourer, can't touch it because the God, God's spirit is resting on it. The Bible says that God will rebuke the devourer for my sake. It doesn't even say for, for the kingdom's sake, but it says for my sake. That means when Satan comes and says, You're not going to have enough. You're going to lose the house. The retirement's not going to be enough. You're not going to have enough when you're older. Satan comes and starts saying those lies to us. And I can say that's a lie because I'm a tither. And I have faith because if I give to God first and I put God first, when I put God first, guess what? He puts me first. Well, that's comforting, isn't it? And I don't have to go through fear because I put God first. When you give your money to God, that money has God's spirit on it, and it is protected from the devourer. That's good news. You say, okay, just, just the money that I give to God, right? No, remember, remember what we talked about in first, the first week, right? The consecrated, set-apart, blessed portion that we give has the ability to bless the rest. So all your money has the spirit of God resting on it if the first goes to him. So our money either has the spirit of God on it, or it has the spirit of mammon on it. Money that has been submitted to God and doesn't try to replace God but serves God is blessed by God. God's spirit rests on that, and that money can't be devoured, but that money is blessed and God's spirit rests on it. You following me? Okay. Jesus, verse 13. This is Jesus talking now. Verse 13. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the only place in the Bible that Jesus says you cannot serve God 
and. And what he chooses to put in that place, the only time he says it, and the reason he says it is because mammon is in direct contrast and conflict to the Spirit of God. It is the spirit of greed and selfishness, not the spirit of sacrifice and generosity. But notice, notice what he says there. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God. I mean, listen, listen. Mammon is looking for servants. Think about that. Mammon is looking for... Mammon wants to rule. Mammon wants to be in charge. And the way that mammon gets servants is by promising only what God can give you. Mammon comes along and it promises you everything and gives you nothing. Mammon tries to take the place of God. And it is in direct conflict and contrast to the Spirit of God. Mammon says to buy and sell. God says to give and receive. Mammon says to cheat and steal. God says to sow and reap. It's totally opposite. It's the spirit of the world, the spirit of mammon that rests on money. Or or we could say it this way. We could say it as simply as this. Mammon is selfish. God is generous. That's that's hard for you to remember. Just remember that, that Satan starts with S. And Satan is selfish. And God starts with G. And God is generous. Very simply. When you have selfishness, that is not the spirit of God. Generosity is the spirit of God. Mammon tries to insulate us from life's problems. Mammon says, I'll give you security. And and if you have more money, you won't have as many problems. That is a lie from the spirit of mammon which is the same spirit of the one that wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. From the same one, in 1 Peter, the Bible says, is seeking whom he may devour. That's the same spirit that tells you that you won't have as many problems if you have more money. The spirit of mammon tries to get us to put our trust, our security, in money. Listen, money is not our security, but God. God is our security. Listen, mammon promises only what God can deliver. Here's a, here's a few things that, that mammon promises to you. Identification. Significance. Independence. Power. Freedom. Those all sound like wonderful things. Mammon says you can live wherever you want. If you have enough money, you can do what you want. You can go where you want. How about this? Or you can live where God wants you to live. You can go where God wants you to go. You can do what God wants you to do. Now that, my friend, is real freedom. Mammon is not freedom. The reason we can't serve God and mammon is because God and mammon are in complete contrast and conflict, totally opposite, going in different directions. The other reason that we know that the spirit of mammon is a spirit is because spirits talk. And mammon is constantly talking. This is the the voice that you hear when you feel prompted to give to a need or to give an offering, the very next voice that you hear is the one that says, whoa, 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 you don't need to do that. You you can't afford to do that. That's your your security. You've been saving that for a rainy day. You can't do that. That, that is the spirit of mammon. You know what? God is still God when it rains. I believe in saving. Believe in it. But I also believe in giving when God says to give. 
And Mammon comes along and says, you know, if, if you had the right car and the right home and the right clothes, you'd be accepted by the right people. See, see that's what Mammon does. You, you become more concerned with perception and what people think. Mammon comes along and it lies to you and it says, if you had more money, people would listen to you. You'd have, you'd have authority and power and busy. You'd have less problems and you'd be happier. Can I tell you something? I have sat and talked with just as many miserable, well-to-do, wealthy people as I have miserable, poor people. Here's a good one. Here's, here's another one that Mammon comes along and says, if you had more money, your marriage would be better. Listen, money doesn't make a marriage better. God makes a marriage better. Jesus, Jesus never told anyone that the answer to their problems was money. Never once. Not one time did Jesus say, you know what you need? You need a little extra money. No matter of fact, what, what he did say was, you need to give it away. <laughs> then you'll have some treasure in heaven. Take up your cross and follow me. Well, that sounds enticing, doesn't it? I, I want you to think about this. When you, when you face a problem and you find yourself thinking, I either need God to come through or I need some more money. If you've ever had that thought, and most of us have, how many have ever had that thought? Okay, just be honest. Okay? If you've had that thought, if someone would just give me some money, if I could just get more money, it just would come in my mailbox. I don't know how it's coming. Sometimes, actually, we get in those situations by overspending and not managing our finances. We get in these situations, and then we go, wow, I just really need some money. After you've mismanaged it, God, God needs to take care of your problems. I, I either need God or I need more money. If I, if I had more money, I wouldn't need God, right? I don't know about you, but I need God. And if, if we have had that thought then we have been influenced by the spirit of mammon. Jesus, Jesus didn't say to hate money. He, he said you'll either love one and hate the other, but he wasn't talking about money. He was talking about mammon. Remember, he's talking about a spirit. Jesus is, is really saying to hate greedy, selfish, lying, deceiving, manipulative spirit that operates through money. That's what he's saying. He wants us to hate that. Of course, the He's got angry because they loved that spirit. It says there, they got upset because they loved their money. And they loved money because they saw money as power. Do you realize how many people in our world see money as power? Forget the world. How many people in church see money as power? So when Jesus came and said, you need to hate that spirit and not serve that spirit, they said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second, we have to serve. That's the one that takes care of us. That's the one that meets our needs. That's the, that's the spirit that provides for us. Mammon is always talking to us. Mammon talks to you every time you give to the church. It talks to you every time when you're thinking about giving a big offering to someone. Mammon maybe even is talking to you right now. You, you might be thinking, I don't know about all this stuff. Because Mammon is always talking. And it's always trying to get us to not be generous. Luke, chapter 16, verse 9, it says this. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, in this context, that means die. When you die, 
they may receive you into an everlasting home. In other words, I can take my money, I can use it to invest in people, and I can use it to invest in souls, what's eternal, and that's what's going to last. And he says, if you'll take that money and use it for what is good, those people will actually welcome you into your everlasting home. Think about this now. Think about this. In other words, one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to be welcomed by some people who came into the kingdom because of money that I gave. Isn't that a, that's amazing. God can take the money that I give and he can turn it into souls. And one day, I will be greeted by people from Africa because I gave. Think about that. They're going to come up to me in heaven. They're going to say, you, you sent money. You, you gave. You were, you were obedient. And I'm here because you gave. That, that's, that's awesome. I, I've had the opportunity, Ashley and I through the years, have had an incredible opportunities to, to give to some pretty amazing ministries happening around the world. You know what that means? That means one day we'll be greeted by people from Africa, China, Russia, and India. People from all over the world where I've sown my money. I'm going to be welcomed into heaven by those people. And they're going to say, thank you. Thank you for supporting that organization. Thank you for sending that missionary. Thank you for sending. Thank you for visiting that orphanage. Thank you for being obedient. Because I came to Christ. I'm here. Because you gave. That's what that verse is saying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many would say you want your heart to be in heaven. Did you say that? I want my heart to be in heaven. The reason that my heart is in heaven is because my treasure is in heaven. There are people in heaven. There will be many more people in heaven because I've given my money. That's, that's amazing. Every penny, every dime, every dollar that I've given, God has taken it, blessed it, and turned it into people, turned it into souls. So money's not evil, but greed and selfishness are evil. God can be, he can use money for his own purposes. Jesus said in Matthew 25, I was hungry, you, you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me a drink, I was a stranger, you, you took me in, I was naked, and you I was sick, you visited, I was a prisoner. You know, a lot of those things, you know what they require? Some, some money. Money's not bad. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to make money if you own a business or that you shouldn't work hard to get a raise and get promoted. I'm saying that you should make as much money as you can and give as much as you can give, too. The reason money is such a battle is because Satan knows that God can take our money and turn it into souls. The one thing that he wants to fight against most adamantly about. Satan knows this. Satan knows that the more you give, the more you send to missionaries and the more ministries you support, the more people are going to be in heaven. And that's why he doesn't want people to give. Because God takes money and he turns it into people. He turns it into souls for the kingdom. Think, think about this. Think. Hell. How many know that there's, really a, there's a place called hell? Okay. May not be a popular thought or message. Hell is being plundered by my giving. Think about that. 
Every time I give, I'm taking people out of hell and I'm getting them to heaven. People that would spend eternity separated from God, I'm getting them. Since money's not evil. So, so what do I do with it? Well, you have to be a good steward of it. With, with whatever you have. Whatever you have, you're supposed to be a good steward of it. Some, some of you might be thinking, um, I have too little of this unrighteous mammon to be even interested in this teaching. I, I don't have very much. Uh, righteous or unrighteous, either one. Here's, here's, the, here's the problem with that. If you have that attitude, you'll never have that much to give. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, back to the text. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. What they're saying here is if, if we're not faithful with little, then don't expect to get more. So, so whatever you have, whether you make $200 a week or $100 a week or $500 a week or $5,000 a week, if you're unfaithful with that, don't expect to get more. But if you're faithful with whatever you have, God's going to give you more. Think about it this way. God is actually looking for stewards. How many know that God is the greatest steward of all time? He entrusts what can be handled. And he's finding out now, even now, he's finding out how much he can trust you with. According to Scripture, he's finding out how much he can trust you with now to to determine how much he can trust you with in eternity, in heaven. Luke chapter 16, verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Think about this. In other words, it's not yours. I don't own my house. I don't own my cars. I don't own the money that's in my pocket or my bank account. It's all his. It's all God's. I'm his servant. I serve him. Everything I have is his. And if you've not been faithful with that, which is not even yours, why, why would I give you your own stuff? So, he's looking at our stewardship. Stewardship in the area of budgeting. Stewardship in the area of saving. Stewardship in the area of not living above my means. There's a novel idea. This is a huge problem in the United States today. Most people in America live way beyond their means. And they don't even know it. Because they don't even know how to calculate how much they're taking in compared to how much they're spending. It's really simple, guys. It's two columns. What you take in and what's going out. It's so simple. But here's the deal. Even when they know they're overspending, they refuse to stop spending. They just keep accumulating debt. So instead of living on 70 to 80% of their income, we're all living on 100 to 120% of our income. I'm not an incredible mathematician, but that, that math doesn't work out after a while. It just doesn't. Which is why when someone like me gets up and talks about giving, we think, well, I'd love to give, but I I just can't. I've sat with so many people that have said, I just can't afford to to give. And I say, well, let's, let's just look at your budget. Let's see what you're spending your money on. And it's amazing how we find money that's being spent on frivolous, temporal, meaningless stuff. Because we choose. You choose to be a good steward. Here's the truth. Our hearts really aren't in heaven. Our hearts are on this earth, investing in temporal things that don't last. And God wants to change our hearts. 
And if he can change our hearts, he'll change the way we give. Because it's all his. Last week, I shared a little bit about our story. Ashley and I have been on this giving journey now together for almost 20 years now. And I know you're thinking, how can someone that looks as young as me can be married that long? Uh, I can just say, but let, me, let me tell you this. There are times when even we have to remind ourselves that our hearts haven't been in heaven. There are times even when we get off track because mammon is always talking. And that spirit is very enticing and deceiving. How many, how many have ever experienced buyer's remorse? Ever experienced that? You go out, you spend money on something, something that you just fall in love with, you weren't even planning on buying. You get it home, and then you start thinking about how much that cost. And for some of you, maybe you start thinking about how you're going to tell your spouse about what you bought and how much that cost. How can I spend this where we both need this? This was for both of us, honey. I, this was for you, really. Not even for me. Uh, I mean, I, I might use it every now and then, but this is really for you. And you start thinking about the other things you, maybe you could have been doing with that money. Maybe Christians deal with this more than anyone. You just you start thinking, what was that? Is that the best use of my money? Listen, I'm not talking about not being able to enjoy life. We should enjoy life. Christ said, I came that you could have life and life more abundantly, life to the full. So I'm not talking about not being able to enjoy life, but I am saying that Ashley and I have experienced times when we've allowed it to get out of balance. And we have to remind ourselves, this world is temporary. This is not my home. I have to choose to invest my time, my energy, my money into eternal things, the things that make a difference, that make an impact in the world, the real world that matters, the kingdom of God. I have to choose to do that. But Ashley and I did make the decision a long time ago that that we were going to be givers. We just decided. We chose, we're going to be givers. And even even when we weren't uh, making hardly anything, even when... From an outsider's perspective, someone would have come alongside us and said, bless your heart, you guys really shouldn't be giving. You know, bless your heart is kind of how you say idiot. Uh, That's the very southern way. Bless his heart, idiot. We had people that came alongside and said, bless your heart, you don't need to be given. But we we just chose. We would just find ways to be generous. I'm not talking about just giving money to the church. Sometimes that meant paying for someone's meal. Sometimes that that meant opening our home for someone to stay in our home. Sometimes that meant lending a car to someone. Sometimes that meant giving money to family members that we knew were never going to pay us back. Can I tell you something? I have never regretted being generous. Ever. But I have regretted moments where I was stingy and selfish. I look back on it and go, oh, God, I missed a, a moment to be generous. I didn't respond to a need. Boy, I'm thankful that I'm married to someone that gets living generously. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes people look at your life, assuming from the external they can make an assumption based on the tangible, seeing stuff of your life. You know, if you've spent any time around us, you know that we have people in our house all the time. All the time. We just have people, we just love being with people and hosting people. And uh, several years ago, I remember a time when we were hosting some people. And Ashley was showing them around the house. Ashley's always very gracious. And 
uh, hosting people, and uh, I heard them say, you know, because I'm sitting in the, I've been on the tour. I don't need to go on the tour anymore, okay? So I was sitting in the fan room, and I heard them say, well, boy, this sure is a nice house. And I heard Ashley say, well, God's, God's blessed us, and we just try to be as, as generous as we can, you know. And then I heard the other person say, well, it must be nice. I, I'd be generous, too, if I made as much money as you do. Now, uh, I was sitting in the living room, and um, those of you that know Ashley, that she's extremely gracious and giving is sweet, uh, but she's also not afraid to speak her mind. And it got her a little riled up, because people make an assumption about your life based upon the external. Because she's been there with me through the thin. Not, not them. They, they, they weren't there then. When I would order a, a large pizza, and that was dinner for the week. You know, you ration it out well, folks. She's been there when she was going to school full-time and working retail and odds and end jobs, and I was working temp jobs during the week and working third shift at warehouses and traveling on the week. She's been there for that. And I thought to myself, when I heard that person say that, I thought, oh, boy, they don't even know. How many of you ever thought that? Someone says something, and you go, you don't even know. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I, you don't even know. Boy, it's, it's a good reminder. Be careful. Be careful with the, the words you say, how you say them. And Ashley said, well, let me tell you something. And I thought, oh, this ain't going to be good. This will be the first and last. The Alpha and Omega of their visit <laughs> is right here. And Ashley said, well, Devin and I were given when we didn't have anything. And she said, and you will never have enough money to give if you don't start giving now. So she kind of rebuked them. And how many know some of us have the gift of rebuking better than others? Some better than giving than receiving. Now, I hope... I hope you know that I'm not telling you this so you think we're just these amazing people. I've already told you. We, listen, we find times when our hearts aren't in heaven. We've got to remind ourselves, this is, this is temporary stuff, guys. I hope you know that I'm not telling you these things to make you feel bad about your situation or what you haven't done. What I'm telling you is, this is something we've lived. We love to give. We, we love to bless. There have been times in our lives when God has asked us to give offerings that were larger than our tithe for the entire year. And you go, well, that's not God. I know that. Whew, good. I can just move on from that. That's mammon. I hear that. That's mammon. Boy, it's been scary at times when we've heard God say those things. But I tell you what, it's, it's fun. We have lived this like God has continually proven himself faithful. He's so good. Doesn't matter who you, God doesn't have favorites. We're not God's favorites. You have just as much favor on you than we do. And when we obey, God blesses us. Think about this. We're all born into sin. We're all, we're all born into broken, sinful humanity. And, and part of that sinful nature is an attitude, a, a spirit of entitlement. Um, you know, we have uh, four kids. I lovingly call our kids planned, well-planned, oops, and oh, my God. Uh, those are our four kids. And, uh, <laughs> you know, 
You know what, uh, what word every child learns more quickly than any other word? E- even if the first words you actually heard uh, were mama or dada, they had already spoken this word before that. I promise you, they had. You know what that word is? I want a bottle. I have a poopy diaper. I want you to get up in the middle of the night and take care of me. Uh, you know, the second word, not far behind that word, you know that, what word that is? Mine. Mine. I can tell you the majority of the disputes that we have in our home amongst our kids is based on that word right there. Mine. I hate that word. Oh, if I hear you say that one more time, that is, that is not your, that is, none of this is yours, in fact. Sometimes you just want to look at your kids and go, look around. The words you're looking for are, thank you. What are we, I'm just slave to my kids. Look around. Dear Lord. And it's so funny how your parenting approach changes with each child. By the time you get to the fourth, you don't care about justice. You care about quiet. I don't care about justice. I hear commotion going on in the other room. I hear a couple of them scuffling a little bit at the other end of the house. I walk in. It's a little one and a larger one going, mine, mine, mine. You walk into the room and you say, because I don't care about justice anymore. Give it to him. Give it to him. I don't care whose it is. I don't care who had it first. I don't care who I bought it for. Give it to him. The older one says, but dad, really, I don't care. I care about quiet, not justice. Hush. Because it changes over time, you know. Mine. This is, this is the way we were all born. Uh, we're all born with that mine mentality, selfish greedy. We're all born takers. Listen, you can be born again a giver. You were born a taker, but you can be born again a giver. We have to renew our minds. It takes obedience. See, I know you are all good, well-intentioned people. I know in your heart of hearts, you all want to be givers. I know that. So the question is, why, why not do it? Just do it. Give to those in need. Give to ministries that are reaching people with the gospel. Give to missionaries. Give, give, give. And just see what God does. I promise you, on the authority of his word that we've looked at, that if we'll just give for the sake of giving, and if we'll allow God to do a work in our hearts, he will bless us. You know why? Because he knows that he's dealing with a changed heart. And he knows that he can trust us. He knows that we're going to be good stewards and he can entrust us with more resource. You were born a taker. Mine, 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 mine. You can be reborn a giver. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School. Or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.